Welcome to episode 37 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Another full roster this week, so we're joined by Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. Good evening, Joe. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Hello, Dave. I just love the League of Gentlemen reference. (laughs) You can say what you want this week, mate. I'm still happy from the World Cup win. I don't care. (laughs) I was watching Wimbledon, mate. (laughs) We're joined by Mr. Andy Stafford. Andy, hello. How are we? Uh, Hello, Joe. I'm not bad. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm not too bad. Nearly the end of the week. <laughs> and we are joined by Mr. Gareth Dutton, the man who all he wants for Christmas is his two front teeth. Gref, how are we doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. I'm the same as Dave, still revealing in the, the World Cup win. So, another non-tennis fan. <laughs> Correct. I, I wanted to watch the cricket, I just forgot it was on. And then it was when Dave was texting me, and I was I was fully invested in, uh, in Federer Djokovic. And then so when that, when that a five set classic? Uh, it was the yeah, it was the longest ever Wimbledon final game. Fair play. Um, it went all the way down to a tie break after twelve games in the uh, the last the last set. So it was it was good, but Long, apparent, longer than not quite as good as the uh, as the cricket by all accounts. No. Anyway, this is a hockey podcast, so let's forget <laughs> the cricket and the tennis. Um, as per the usual at this time of year, the airport has been very busy. Um, so we'll start off with the new signings, then we'll go on to a few contract extensions as well. Um, so, Dave, do you want to kick us off? This was the day after, I think we recorded last week, at the Steelers announced uh, the last D signing. Yes, I do believe this was to complete the, the D unit. Um, Aaron Brocklehurst uh, signed from the EBL um, Linz. Um Good league experience in Europe. Um, 157 games in the DEL, 78 points. 200 games in the EBL, uh, 102 points. Um, 97 games in the Liga um, for a couple of teams. Um, and has, he's got he's got silverware. Won the EBL with I believe it was Vienna. Um, he actually came runners up in the uh, SM- Vienna. Sorry. Yeah, you know, Joe, your singing means nothing to me. Um, <laughs> oh, played, sir. <laughs> um, but, you know, you look at his stats points-wise, you think, you know, third, fourth liner. And then you actually look, no, he's a defender. Points-wise, he probably is what the missing piece of the, the Sheffield defensive unit is. Um, and is is plus-minus in terms of the number of games, it's actually very good. It's, it's close, to zero, close to zero or a positive number um, in all the leagues. Um, I think it's, it's going to be another good signing for the Steelers. He's got Champions League experience and leadership as well. He was a, an A for Vienna. Um, Not doing it again, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, so, <laughs> you know, he's, he's got good experience. You know, he's got a call to the AHL uh, for Lake Erie Monsters. Um, and, yeah, he's... he's Got good experience. He's got good stats. Um, for a defenseman, I think this is a good pickup by the Steelers. I think this is a great pickup for you guys. I mean, when you, as you mentioned with his stats, he's he's putting up the points. I mean, you're not going to be relying on just 
Ben O'Connor for your, for your points next season as a D-man. <clears throat> he, he looks pretty decent. I mean, four games in the a- AHL, not too bad. 15 games in the Champions Hockey League for Vienna and Ingolstadt. 157 games in the DEL. I mean, you don't really play that many games in the top leagues if you're not that good. He's something that you guys definitely needed, especially after last season. Only until a few days ago, uh, I knew what a swing guy was. Uh, but a swing guy's go. He's been, he's looking very good. Um, you know, really good points as well. Got a good fantastic experience across Europe. Uh, also, especially in the uh, Finnish league. Um, I've just realised I got the wrong guy in swing guy. Haven't I? I was just going to say, yeah, the sweet yeah. guy's the other guy. I have. I apologise, everyone. That's uh, Elias Fire. Uh, and this guy's swinging confused. He's, have, well, he's wearing his belly dog t-shirt and he's got swinging on the mind. <laughs> the words that we're looking for next are, oh, yes. Sorry, did you say Andy was on the podcast or Donald? <laughs> no. Yeah, sorry about that, guy. It's been a long day today. Um, yeah, very good signing. Uh, great experience in Europe. Uh, as Dave said, uh, must be a very good player to get called up for Lake Erie in the AHL. Uh, another slightly older guy, uh, but hopeful experience, and uh, we'll, we'll show that through. So, yeah, very good signing for, for Seals. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we could have brought in a guy um, any better to finish off the decor. Um, three three seasons in the EBL. Um, you know, Fox is obviously going to have had his eye on him, going to know exactly what he's signed, which is always... I find that the most exciting about this kind of signing. It's always nice to sign guys outside of the league. It gives you that excitement. It gives you that kind of that bit of difference that you don't get with a guy that's been signed from within the elite league. Um, you know, you kind of you're waiting for that first game to see him play, but at the same time, you have the confidence in knowing that your coach has seen him play before uh, and has obviously had his eyes on him. Obviously, like what he saw. Um, I mean, as, as we've already touched on, stat-wise. Absolutely spot on. Plus 32 in 200 games in the EBL. It's kind of uh, easy to see why Aaron Fox liked what he was seeing there. Uh, and 102 points as well, so 0.51 points per game for a D-man. Um, then we look at a DEL, same thing, 0.5 points per game and a plus one over 157 games. Uh, Stat-wise, I mean, it's, it's hard to see much wrong. He had a minus 27 in the, in the SM Liga over 97 games, but... I mean, a 0.44 points per game in one of the top leagues in Europe is uh, certainly nothing to turn your nose up at. So this guy certainly know, seems to know where the net is and also seems to have a bit of a you know, that defensive ability as well, which is what you like to see. Um, I think you, you often tend to find you get that D-man who's either very offensive and puts the points up on the board, but turns over and uh, doesn't necessarily have the best plus minus or you have the other... You know, the flip side, the ones that are very defensive and, and can't find the net, but this guy seems to have a bit of both. Um, another thing that I like just about his game appears to be everybody seems to keep talking about his shot. And um, he's about the third guy that we signed on the D-line this year that everybody's saying, you know, hard shot. Um, so it certainly looks like we're going to be blasting some in from the blue line this year, which is, I think, something that we missed a little bit last season. Um, so, yeah. Good decor think, signed by Sheffield now. I think what he's going to add to that decor is a bit of experience, um, you know, a bit of knowledge, you know, mm. kind of that you know backstreet kind of battle 
ness. If that's such a phrase, but you're going to give just that bit of, bit it of is now. streetwise nouse, um, you know, just a bit more to them. You know, you look at the players, they've got ability, they've got experience, but just a bit more and better leagues can only help. It's, a, it's more of a strength. Um, and like you say, you know, it's the, the D units in Sheffield is certainly upgraded um, compared to last year. Yeah, absolutely tenfold. Is it is it Brocklehurst that's on the um is he on a two way as well? Uh, not two way, two year, sorry. No, one year, nineteen twenty. One year, I'm I thinking of the wrong player. Was that Batawa that was on a two year? Yeah, Batawa. Fair play. Scratch that. It's not just Andy that's dropped the ball today, it's me as well. <laughs> It'll happen to us all, don't worry. <laughs> it happens to the best of us, we all know that. Exactly. <laughs> um, Griffin did it yet, so there's always time. <laughs> it's only 10 to 12 <laughs> <laughs> so we move out of Sheffield then unless anybody's got anything else to add on Brocklehurst um, we move to Dundee Gref would you like to tell us about the addition in Dundee yeah they've signed uh, a Colton Kuroka we'll go with yeah, that one I thought I'd give it you because I didn't want to try and pronounce his name that's perfectly fine I should have given it to Stafford to be fair he's the, <laughs> the guy that does the names it's a six foot two centreman from he's come out of the U Sports League, Mount Royal University. Before that, he was playing in the WHL for Regina Parks, Left Leftbridge Hurricanes. Sorry, Kootenay Ice. He's putting up some pretty good points in the the last two years of his major junior league, and last season. 28 games, 22 points. Looks like he should be, I'd probably say it's a third liner, maybe. Could be a second liner for Dundee, maybe. He looks, he's one of those wait-and-see signings, but he could do well. I mean, a lot of our league's getting a lot of uh, U-sports players now, and some of them are surprising. I think what you're going to see with Dundee, because I think it's like the third or fourth from uh, the U Sports that they've signed, young, fast, and they're going to be hungry. You know, they're going to try and establish no, no, it's something. in Scotland. My bad, my bad. Oh, sorry, I couldn't sit on that one. I, I just had to... It's, it's fine, Joe, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> I have to take you the know? jokes when I, can, when I can come up with them, mate, you know that. <laughs> well, we know you're slow with that one. Uh, well, yeah, you're not going to have any argument from me there. Not at all. Uh, but they, you know, they're going to be that type of player. And I think that's going to give Dundee that identity, which over the last few seasons, Dundee have been good. They've had good players. They've had good seasons. But as Graf said, they've not really had an identity. And I think the signings that they've had so far this season, and Croker, I think we'll go with that as a surname, um, is just going to add to that. So I think Dundee, as much as these are, in fairness, they are wait and see signings, but. The, 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 the youthfulness of the team I think these are going to be good to watch next year they may not be successful they may not be you know defensively sturdy but they're going to be enjoyable to watch yeah again another player strata the sports league I mean there's been quite a lot of that going on recently um, sorry it's, it's good to see that they are want, as they've said they're wanting speed younger players he's only 22 years old uh, also captained uh, Kootenay Ice in 2017 also, good points in the uh, Western Hockey League, which is the Canadian junior system. 
Uh, three teams as well in that, so he moved around quite a bit. So, so some good points. Just have to wait and see how he does. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one to, to weigh in on, as we always say with the U Sports. Um, we've seen a little bit more, so it's kind of becoming a bit easier to, to kind of read over the last few years. Um, but, I mean, 22 years old, it's certainly going to bring some hunger, um, you know, towards the team. Some, some, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be wanting to push himself. Um, you know, he's got a big hockey CV that he wants to build to try and push himself as high up in the leagues as he can. So, um, he's going to want to do the best he can in that respect. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm saying Erm a lot because I don't really know a great deal to say about this guy. I mean, his stats look decent. 61 get, uh, points in 68 games in his last season in the WAHL. Um, captain for the Kootenay Ice as well at that point. So, you know, may, may bring some leadership as a, as a young guy if that doesn't sound too daft you know a guy that knows how to lead his team even at such a young age so certainly looks to be a good addition for Dundee but fully agree definitely a wait and see signing um, then we move from Dundee and I'm not going to throw this one to Gref just because I don't like hearing him talk about Manchester so I'm going to throw it to Andy for the first person that Manchester have signed want to tell us a bit about him Yep, this storm have signed uh, Jacob Lutovic, who comes from uh, Ridley College in Canada. He's originally um, from uh, England, uh, played for Brad- Bradford Bulldogs in the 16s. Uh, also played alongside John Griffin and for a season Alex Graham as well. So he's, he's already got some uh, some friends there. Obviously, uh, this will be keen to again uh, when they play each other. A very good sign. Can't see more. Third, fourth liner. Um, it's nice to see that that Manchester are bringing a lot of um, you know uh, British players from overseas. Obviously, like Jonathan Phillips, Robert Dowd, uh, Robert Farmer, but they're all be, going to be around forever. So it's nice to bring them back to their own country and, and then just you know they've done well overseas, they've done fantastic well. But it's nice to see them come over here, uh, get a bit more feel for the British game, and then. Uh, Eventually, obviously, be being the GB senior team, which is fantastic. Um, we really do need the, the younger GB players to be coming into the league and uh, you know setting them up for the future. So that's fantastic for them. Uh, he's 18 years old, so still very very young, and put some great points uh, last season for Italy College. Uh, 10 points in 19 games is not too bad. Uh, he's also played for D Side Dragons as well before he moved overseas. Um, looking very good. Yeah, from looking at his stats-wise, when he was playing for D-Side Dragons in the 20s, he was 15 years old, and he was still putting up 23 points in 10 games. Surely he was he had some good talent. Last season, playing for Riddler, they won their, their league, they won their playoffs. He's got some silverware there. He'll be on our fourth line next season with... Adam Barnes and Finley Oric. It's already been mentioned by Finner. <laughs> so it's going to the fourth line is going to be like a a Brit line. So that should be pretty decent, especially when we play against teams that have got all four lines. You're not going to be struggling because you you're putting out your top line every two seconds as such. He's played for GB under 18s as well. Division 1B 
didn't really put any, any points, but he looked like he was half decent. I mean, he's only got a minus one as well in that tournament. For me, he should be pretty decent at one for the future. Uh, before I go on, um, Graf, obviously he's gone to Manchester, <coughs> so uh, big question, what's his nickname? Lutty. It's got to be Lutty. <laughs> We'll come up with that during the it's season. Like, it's, like, it's like too close to gritty, isn't it? Poor kid. Exactly, um, that's why. <laughs> uh, but the point you made about him kind of playing in the under-20s but being not that age bracket and getting the points is, is one to definitely say, you know, show the talent that he had, and then has, in my apologies, um, he's got a broad to honus his skills. And all, hopefully, from a Manchester perspective, he'll be bringing that back. Challenging on the fourth line, playing senior... Um, hopefully Finner will be using his four lines and giving him the chance to, you know, get his teeth into into senior hockey and work his way to third line and, and get him, you know, as a, as a target for him. But it looks like a talent. It looks like someone that will be, of course, like you mentioned, you know, the, the type of kid who potentially will be replacing the likes of uh, Phillips Farmer, so the next generation of GB player. And it's, it's always good to see GB players actually try and go abroad. Yes, he's tidied his education. He's got the best of both worlds in that one. And fair play. I think he'll do well um, in his role. So, you know, so long as he's, he's given that chance that it's not, you know, okay, you, you can't say, you know, look at his last two seasons um, for Ridley College. He's, you know, a high point scorer. But, you know, without knowing the full role, he may be not been used correctly. You know, you see players that will score great in under-20s and go play senior and just use... Dig, not, not to the game that he has um, so in that respect wait and see but I th- you know it's exciting another young British talent back in the Elite League and start you know from the bottom upwards and hopefully see him in a senior tournament yeah I mean you, you've got to take your hat off to a kid at, um, I mean he's 18 now um, you've got to take your hat off for the fact that I mean in 17, 18 18, 19 he went over to college in Canada and was playing over there um, you know, he's certainly got a lot of aspiration. He, he's, he's he's got a lot of courage to do that at such a young age. So, you know, to move away after obviously an upbringing in the UK, um, he's not going to be a guy that's going to bring a load of points this time round. He's going to be a guy that brings some depth. Um, you know, Manchester are going to be wanting to step to use the fourth line a lot more. Um, did did they have a uh, graph? Yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll be able to answer this. Did they, did they have a full four lines last year? I, mean, I seem to remember they were just brushing on it, but then they just were continually hitting injury problems. Before the injury problems, yeah, we did have four lines. So, like, the first few games of the preseason. Yeah, so it, it was just constantly just, like, just edging towards four lines and then injuries coming in. So yeah, I mean, I mean, they're going to be wanting to use the full four lines this year. I mean, it's a good move and step forward for him. You know, it does bring a hell of a lot more depth. Uh, and as we say, this guy's certainly an investment um, for the future. I mean, if they can keep him in a storm jersey, help him to improve, get him working with the, uh, you know, with the more experienced on the team. You know, get him to try and progress. Finity's obviously a guy that's that's had a lot of experience in the league, knows about the progression in the league, seen players similar, you know, come up through the ranks and progress through the league. So if there's anybody as good to show him the ropes and show him what he needs to do to to improve himself in this league, it's Finity. Um, so definitely an investment for the future, but as well brings a lot of depth to the team. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what he brings. He's going to be hungry as an 18-year-old kid. He's going to be wanting to prove himself in Manchester. 
Um, so you never know, actually. You could get a few more surprise points than you'd expect as well this season. I think another point to, to raise is, with Manchester looking like this is a fourth-line signing, it looks like more teams are now moving to playing four-line hockey. You, know, you, you had Sheffield, Cardiff, Nottingham, Belfast kind of go down the direction the first set. And now with Manchester coming along, and I think that the rest will follow suit. And I think, as a point, I think it's going to be better hockey because your top players aren't going to be flogged for 30 minutes at a time each game. You know, their t- ice time is going to go be less, so they're going to be able to play better for longer stretches. Yeah. So I, think it's, I think it's good that another team is now embracing the four-line hockey, um, which is something we're just not used to in this country for a long time. Yeah, it certainly shows the development of the league. Um, you know, if we can start to see all... 10 teams currently hopefully more across the next few seasons if we can start to see more of those 10 teams you know moving towards four lines I think it's definitely showing that the the, the league's moving in the right direction um, we just hope that like the likes of Manchester don't just end up just knocking on the door of it uh, it's never nice to see a team get into to injury problems even when it's not your own um, can even be a benefit sometimes in terms of obviously if your team's coming up against them when they're suffering those problems but it's still not nice to see um, and you know a kid like this could really benefit from getting some ice time on that fourth line it may not benefit quite as much if he gets and ends up getting bumped up because if they, if they run into penalty trouble if they uh, not pen, well penalty trouble or injury trouble you know if they end up dropping a player or two from that fourth line you don't want him to then become like a spare part. You don't want him to become that 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 loose player that's not on a line that's kind of fighting for a little bit of ice time and getting a couple of shifts a game on the third line. So I hope for the like the development side of it for uh, for Lutovic. I'm presuming that's how roughly I used to pronounce his name, uh, but I'm hoping from the development side for him that they can keep to four lines this year. But um, yeah, certainly a statement of intent for the league that more and more teams are moving towards that four line system. Um, the next player that we've got, I'll go with this one because it's an easy one and I don't have to pronounce an awkward name um, because we used to seeing him in orange, uh, made a statement while he was here, certainly, and uh, made an imprint on a lot of Steelers fans. Um, Matthew Watt has uh, made a surprising uh, comeback, maybe not surprising at the time of announcement, but, but maybe surprising at the time of uh, suggestion that he was going to be coming back. Um and Zach Fitzgerald has put pen to paper with him, so he's signing for the purple of the Glasgow clan next season. Um, he didn't play at all in the 18-19 season. Had a year off. Um, by all intents and purposes, he retired when he left Sheffield. Um, mainly due to injury. I mean, by the end of the, at the end of the 17-18 season, you know, he was not necessarily in terms of productivity, but he was a fraction of the player that he was when he came in. His body was in bits. You could tell that a lot of the time he was playing injured. Um, but, I mean, he was the kind of guy that once or twice a game you'd see just take a ridiculous shot block, whether it was, like, from his own play while he was trying to get a screen in or a tip, whether it was, um, you know, from a, an opposition while he was trying to block a shot from them firing him from the blue line. Uh, so a lot of grit behind Matthew R. Going to be interesting to see how he's kept himself in shape. If he's had that year out thinking he's retired, if he's not kept himself quite so in uh, in game shape, uh, it'll be interesting to see. But 
Yeah, the guy made the the guy made his career in the first season in the elite league, standing in the slot and getting some tippings. So if if Glasgow have got a few guys in that blue line that can fire a few cannons in, Waz is the guy that they need that they need on that team to make sure those pucks go in the back of the net. Very much what you said. Um, Matt Roy was um, a, had a legendary career in Sheffield. Um, to give his Yorkshire title, but no, Matt, Matt, Matt you are um, points are plenty, big goals. Garbage goals, but the goals that won titles. He won overtime games to give Sheffield a chance to win silverware. Um, big goals in the Continental Cup. You name it in Sheffield, Matthew R did it. Um, and it, it, it's the block shots. He said, I remember one game, I think it was in Belfast, where in one, one power penalty kill for Sheffield, he blocked two shots. The same shot. Got the book, slapped again, blocked the same shot. And that's the type of play he were. And like you said, you know, he's had a year off. He, he, it appears that he may have, you know, kept the fitness side a bit. Um, but his sharpness may take a while to get back. So I hope that Glasgow aren't expecting it straight away. But if he can find the sharpness that he had in Sheffield, he's going to do some damage for Glasgow. Uh, he's he's going to do well for him. Um, I, I suspect that he'll get uh, one heck of a reception back in Sheffield for the first time Glasgow are in town. Yeah, I, he seems to be put, he'll be put on like a probably one of the top lines as well with like Scott Pitt and Matt Becker. And if he is, that's going to be one dangerous line. I mean, I didn't I hated coming watching him against Storm when he played for you guys. I'm going to hate it even more now because he was always putting goals past us for fun. Although I did laugh at the video that they posted of him because the last game. The last goal they shown was the game where you guys blew a, a 5-2 lead to give us our first win against you in like three years. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, that I'm sounded like a brag, but I, what I'm taking from that more is that you didn't win a game against us in like few years. So. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> That's nice. That, that, that went down nice. about as well as Nottingham trying to troll the Steelers and actually trolling their own fans. Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> what was more beautiful will come to later with Blaze yes we will correct I mean <laughs> going on with Matthew Watt his uh, last season yeah. in the Elite League 48 points in 51 games if you can replicate that this season with Clan or even go one further that's going to be amazing for the, the Purple Army yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that he probably he, he did sign uh, last year. He, he didn't play a single game for for a team he signed. It's not an, it's not an elite prospect anymore. The team might sign with. I saw with, that the he, other day. It must have been taken off quite recently because I saw it the other day that he would he'd signed somebody else last year. Yeah, it was in the LNAH, which I believe is a, is a uh, yes, it was that league. It's, yeah, that it's a Quebec league, and a lot of it's it's very very fighting based. So it used to be at least. Well, this is all when Ben Shawmont Morrow was in it, so he's playing that yeah. league. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, his first season with Sheffield, obviously, uh, top point scorer that year. Uh, Sheffield's been blocking shots, in the right in the right place where he uh, and he's been fantastic. But I think he won't put a lot in Sheffield. Uh, 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 uh
season in in the in the Quebec League play for, but obviously he didn't play a single game. So it'll be interesting to see whether that might impact him uh, playing for Glasgow. Uh, obviously not playing last season, still carrying some a few injuries. Um, yeah. Still a good time for Clan, uh, but obviously it's, it's, it's a little bit risky. Um, I wouldn't have him back in Sheffield if it wasn't for players we already got. There's not anyone on the, on the current Steelers roster that I would take over. Or, so it is a wait and see signing for me as well. See, you've you've answered my question there because that's what I was going to throw out to you guys. Um, would I mean uh, Greff? Obviously, not necessarily. Would you have him back in Sheffield, which is the generic question? But I guess you can extend that to would you have him in Manchester? But I'll, I'll throw it out to Andy and Dave first because I know what my answer is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, would you have had him back in Sheffield? I mean, I know that a lot of Steelers fans have been kind of. Com- not complaining, but you know, uh, woe is me. Um, Matthew Wars signed for a different team. Would you have really had him back in Sheffield this year? No, um, I I would have gone down the lines of you know, um, no, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. We had you know a great time with uh, War in a Steelers shirt. I think coming back, he may have diminished that legacy, if that's probably the right word to use, of his career in Sheffield. He may have a great season in Glasgow. Yeah, he may have a similar, you know, similar effect. But f- as a as a Sheffield fan, asked that question, no, not because he's not a good player. It's one of them, you know. Thank you for your time. Re- respected everything you did for us. We've moved on. I'm sure he's moved on. And there you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I completely agree. I mean, it seems you said it to be fair on his on his Instagram a couple of days after was he was announced for Glasgow. And he said the one the one concern was that um, you know he's he's he, he was very much a legacy player and he you know he he was very uh, you know he's earned himself that legendary status of the amount of points that he put up per game. Um, I think if I'm honest, I think Steelers as a whole, as a fan base and as a club, kind of put him too high on a pedestal. Um, I think we have a tendency to put players on uh, make players a little bit too comfortable. Uh, don't necessarily think that War was one of the players that kind of, you know, settled into that. I mean, you look at his point production. He, even in his last year, when he ran into series, well, when he, when you could tell he was, you know, suffering with injuries, he was still putting the points up. So I don't necessarily think it was an issue with him. But um, you know, Simsy's point was very much a case of the worry is that he comes back and then, you know, kind of changes the memories that he's already made in Sheffield. But obviously, going to Glasgow is going to be a bit different. The only thing that I could see with him having a, an input in Sheffield had he signed back in Orange would have been, as I say, we've got about three or four players now that, we, that by all accounts, have got a decent shot from the blue line. As I say, Wazi made his career in that first season. He, he, he put the points on the board with those tippings in front of net, making himself a nuisance in front of the net, screening... I mean, I mean, you look at his point totals. He was the top point scorer in the league in his first year in the Elite League. I wonder how many goals he caused or created and didn't even have a hand on in terms of stats because just of where he was planting himself in front of the net. So in addition to the tip-ins and that kind of thing and the tap-ins on the back door, you've also got the the effect that having a player that just gutsy, stands in front of the goalie, doesn't care if he takes the puck, you know, you've got to think he must have created another 10, 20 plus goals just by stopping the goalie from seeing that put coming. So, yeah. 
It's a valid point. I mean, in terms of what you're saying about the pedestal thing, you know, over over kind of half a goal a game in his Sheffield career, if you had the, the league and cup, um, you know, and also one thing in terms of an import, you know, we spent four seasons in Sheffield and we don't have, we haven't had an import since Saric to spend that long in one spell. Mm. Um, so with his goals and, and you know he was the one who got the goals and, and, and like I said when I mentioned him big goals he got um, the overtime winner in Nottingham to give us a chance to win in the league against Cardiff um, in his first, I think it was his first season when the Leguie got the game winner in the third period just them big goals that's why you know he had the pedestal he earned it and everyone remember him for the good stuff yeah and yes with the sh- the point you <coughs> make about the shooters Think, I think he'd have a birthday, if I'm honest. Mm. But I suspect that there are younger players <laughs> who could do the same job. And that's, yeah, that's no disrespect to, to Matthew. No, Walker. no, it's, 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 uh, that, it's nature of the beast, really. It it's, is, yeah. For me, it's you know, thank you. We'll remember your time well. We'll remember it fondly. Done some. The new chapters. And start. we don't want to see you lifting any silverware in a different jersey. Yeah. Apart from the, you can win, lift the conference. Oh, you can win the conference. That's just like winning a packet of crisps out of vending machine, isn't it? But you know, given that Sheffield's not won the conference yet, I know. <laughs> Typical Sheffield comment. It's a Mickey Mouse cup because we've not won it. Ah, that one. It'll yes. be the be all. It'll be the be all and end all when we win it. T-shirts, <laughs> the job lot. T-shirts and caps. Oh no, I find that so cringy. It's like when people win the conference final in the NHL and then walk around in Western Conference final t-shirts. Just no. But yeah, sorry. Anyway, uh, back on track. Gref, I'll throw the question over to you. Would you have had him playing for the Storm this year? Obviously, not. He, not you know, he's not got that legacy set in Manchester. But do you see a kind of fit for it for him? Would there have been that slot? I'd say so. Yeah. With the loss of Mike Hammond and a fair few other players that put up big points, I'd probably say yeah, there would have been a good a good chance of him having a slot there. And if he puts up big numbers, then definitely something we we definitely need. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's, I think there's a number of the number of teams that would have benefited from it. I think Dundee was another one that was rumoured for why, uh, obviously with the connections to Matt Marquardt, um, but obviously Glasgow was the final setting. So, but yeah, no, I, I completely see that as a guy that would have brought some, would have brought some points to replace the point production of Hammond. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued to see how he's going to play with Pitt. That's that, that's going to be interesting to see. Um, so we move on from Matthew we go back I'll throw this one to you Gref just to give you the satisfaction of talking about a storm signing um, so I'll throw it over to you for the other storm signing that you've made ah oh, so kind you know me I'm all heart mate of course <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we've signed Adam Huseman he's a 5'11 left winger and we've signed him from Bordeaux in the French Hockey League before then, he played in the EBEL. Then he played in the... Before that, it was the Italy League. He had a stint in the AHL. Played way over 198 games in the East Coast Hockey League. From looking at his stats, he's probably going to be one of those players that's going to 
as I mentioned before, with losing a lot of points, a lot of top points guys last season, he's going to be one of those guys that we'd hope will put up the points. I mean, last season in Bordeaux, 44 games, 28 points. In EBEL, 49 games, 24 points. And in the Italian League, 42 games, 65 points. In the East Coast League, he's out there 198 games he's played. He scored 57 goals and got 86 assists. He's going to be one of. The, I think he will be one of our top, either first line or second line, and they'll be putting up, hopefully, a good amount of points. Yeah, once that you look at players that have played Italy, and if they've had decent point production in Italy, they tend to do well in the elite league. Uh, and, you know, 65 points in 42 games is, if I'd say, good production. So he probably is going to do um, a good job on stats. And, um, a, f- a friend of mine who actually who lives in Bordeaux, who actually seen him play a fair few times and has raved about him. Um, so he's actually, and he's a, he's a Cardiff fan, um, but he's looking forward to seeing um, him play in the UK after seeing him whilst living in France. So I think it's a good signing um, for, for the Storm. Um, you know his WHL points are good. Yeah, I think you've, I think uh, Finnis picked up another good one. But again, the question nickname. Hughesy. Hughesy. <laughs> Called it. <laughs> it's got to be Hughesy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks a really very strong signing. Uh, and the young guy, 28 years old, uh, he's a left winger, five foot eleven. Uh, he's also played uh, three games on loan in the AHL with the Manchester Monarchs, scoring a goal in his three-game loan stint. He also played six years in the Hockey League for Tri City Americans. Uh, in each year that he's played, he's got better and better points-wise. Uh, in his first year, he played three games. Uh, no, sorry, he played 61 games, uh, 41 points. Uh, then 48, 64, 81, and then finished his with Tri City with 116 points in 72 games. So he's gotten much better as, as each year has gone by there. Us uh, played in the East Coast League for Las Vegas uh, and Reading before joining going to Italy. Um, looks a very, very strong signing. I think he's going to make a very, very good impact. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I... Gref, I'm 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 kind of with you. I think he's definitely uh, he's going to be a guy. If not top line, he's certainly going to be a top six forward for you. Um, so yeah, I mean you you guys have pretty much covered it off. I mean EBEL putting up the, that kind of point per game, kind of point seven two points per game in 109. Oh no, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong column there. Point four nine points per game <laughs> in 49 games in the EBEL. 0.72 points per game in the ECHL, so look to be it looks to be a strong signing. Um, you know he, he wore the A for the Tri City Americans in his last year in the WHL, um, so you know he's, he's hopefully bring some leadership to the team as well. Um, he's 28 as well, so you know he's, he's getting towards probably you know he's, 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 he should roughly be in the peak of his career now. You know he's probably at that point where he's, he's probably at his max point production, so. I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll see what he's going to bring. But I certainly think top six forward wouldn't surprise me if he was sat if he was sat in that first line. 
Um, so, next we have Dave <coughs> signing in Nottingham. Tell us a bit about that one. Yeah, so we've got Nottingham signing Dylan Malmquist. Um, I'll just get that very quickly. It was a computer, but um, another one of the signs that Nottingham have collectively of um, everyone's saying they're underwhelming. They're not the normal big name signings that Nottingham have in the past signed. However, um, this looks like he could be a very good pickup. Uh, good University of Notre Dame, great points um, over the last few years. Um, another player that's for his first senior year in the Elite League, um, which we are seeing an increased amount this season of a load of the import signing. Um, and I just I just look at his points and I'm thinking, you know, probably start third line, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's pushing second line by the end of the season. He looks the type of player that can get points. His uh, plus minus is good. It's on the positive in his years in Notre Dame. He was an A last year. Um, so he's, he's obviously defensive minded. And I think he'll do well in Nottingham. I think he'll be the type of player that will, he'll go under the radar in Nottingham. He'll just do his job. He'll just do the thing. He'll get the points. And I, I think this is going to, this is probably going to be one of the better signings that Doucet and uh, Wallace have made. Yeah, I from looking at his stats wise coming straight out the NCAA he's improved every single year. In last season he he played forty games and had thirty points. The only thing that confused me with the when they released that oh yeah, we signed this guy was that he'd apparently been playing in the he got called up to the training camp for Minnesota Wild. And was apparently expected to make the cut. The only thing I had about that was, if he's expected to make the cut at 22 <laughs> years old, why would he come to the Elite League? Took the words right out of my mouth. Not going to finish off the song, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much all I can say about that. It's just, why would he do that? It's a very good point, uh, especially tw- yeah, 22 years old is very, very young. Uh, it's a left winger. And, yeah, OK, maybe if he does go into the league, maybe he won't get the goals all the time, but he'll be in the right places where you'd want him to be. And he'll be right there to feed that pass through. Uh, yeah, looking very good. And as, 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 as Graf said, you know, you, you don't make the training camp for, in the NHL for nothing. So there must be some good quality things about him that... Um, I, I assume it will shine through. Yeah, again, difficult to read off of uh, off of stats in terms of from the NCAA. Um, never really know what that's going to equate to. But I mean, thirty point thirty points in forty games in his last year, assistant captaincy certainly got to be something about him as a player. Um, yeah, I mean, twenty two years old is going to bring a lot of energy to the team. Um, Looking at the kind of the interviews and stuff with Doucette in relation to him, says that the style of play is very much suited to Europe. Um, interesting, as we tend to play a more North American style in the Elite League, but we'll, uh, we'll see where that comes in. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you, Dave. I think this guy could be a little bit of a diamond in the rough. I mean, everybody says underwhelming. I, I don't think underwhelming. I just think it's hard to read. Um 
But at the end of the day, you don't get you don't get called up to an NHL training camp if there's not something about you. You know, you don't put those kind of points up in the NCAA if you've not got some ability to your game. Um, I've said it before from players coming straight out of the NCAA, hungry to prove himself because you know when you when you're starting out in the NCAA, obviously your one thought and your one aim is to, is to add it, you know to end up in the in the NHL. So such a big drop to the elite league is. You know, hopefully, from Nottingham's perspective, hopefully going to spur him on to have a, a, a highlight career to push himself forward. Um, wouldn't expect him to be staying more than this season if he can have a good year in the Elite League. But we'll see what he can do. Uh, that that was the one thing that I had highlighted. It was just the fact that he was he was widely expected to make the cut when he was called up to the Minnesota Wild Camp, and then he drops right down to the Elite League. Um, you just think there's a number of a number of leagues in the in North America, Canada. Uh, sorry, you know that he could have he could have gone into. Then you look at the teams and leagues in uh, in Europe. You've got the SHL, DEL, SM Liga. You know, there's so many top leagues that he could have gone to, and he ends up in the Elite League. So just just seems a little bit odd, but definitely. it is odd. I agree in terms of odd, in terms of being nearly at the top to being at the Elite League. Um, but I think in terms of the point of the underwhelming, I think it's just the the, the malaise of their signing so far, which isn't a bad thing. Mm. Because if Nottingham, with the resource they have, go under the radar and sign a team that actually play well, and as close to being a team, as close to the 2013 one that won the league, you ask a Nottingham fan at the end of the season, they'll not complain. No, I fully agree. I mean, I've said it before. I think I think Nottingham are concerningly underwhelming, and it's not a knock on the team per se. Because I think it's those teams that have the biggest bite. You know when 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 they all come together and play, um, you know the teams with the least pressure often strive because they've not got the added pressure of being expected to perform every time. And you know if these are the team that everybody's seen as underwhelming, you know it gives them every opportunity to thrive without all that pressure. But I, I don't I don't think this is an underwhelming signing. That's what baffles me. I mean, you look at his stats, as I say, it's not easy to read stats and equate them to what they're going to put up in the Elite League. Um, you know, but he's put up four seasons in the NCAA. He's had the assistant captaincy in his last year. He's putting up 30 games in 40, sorry, 30 points in 40 games in his last season. It's not like he's coming out of the NCAA. He's played 20 games because he's been dropped for half a season. And then he's put up like a game every four, a point every four games. You know he's 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 consistently played. He's putting up thirty games in those putting you know, I, I keep saying games rather than points. He's putting <laughs> up thirty points in those forty games. I I don't I don't see what's underwhelming. I think people are just saying it's underwhelming because they don't know what to expect. I've got to be the same type of points you see players who get that type of production in the NCAA are looked at kind of the AHL level. So yeah, they kind of that type of this kid can do a job at that level, and then you're an injury away from making the show. So. Yeah, I, I think you know he'll start low, but I think he'll he'll push the lines up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so moving on from Malmquist, we move on to the newest addition to the Coventry Blaze roster. I'll take this one just because I want to talk about the Twitter because uh, <laughs> I just thought that was amazing. Um, so Coventry Blaze have added goaltender Jamie Phillips to their ranks um, all said and done all joking aside about the Twitter I mean I'll come to the actual player side first 
very, very good-looking goalie um, and a guy that I think Coventry needed. Still stand by what I've been saying for ages. Coventry need those point scorers, but a good backstopping goaltender. 92% save percentage um, for the Reading Royals in 12 games. 90.3% save percentage in Florida, same year. So not by going there, averaging about 2.5 goals against, goals against average. Um, you know, knocking on the door of the AHL. Again, another player that's played four years in the NCAA, um, averaging over 90% save percentage across those four seasons. So, yeah, I mean, 11 games in the AHL for Manitoba Moose, 90.6% save percentage. Um, and then again, 16 games in the 17-18 season for the Manitoba Moose, 91.2%. So really not bad going in in, in you know the, the the league just a step down from the NHL. You, you look at his stats uh, and the save percentage, and he's only gone um, under 900 once. And it's the same season where he actually had 16 games for the Moose you just mentioned. But in that 16 games, he were... Um, 0.912 and also uh, picked up uh, if his stats right on the lead prospect a, a shutout in one playoff game um, so apart from that 16 games he's always in his senior career been above 900 playing um, 27 games in the AHL and the, the number of games he's played East Coast to have that level of consistency is good and I you know you, you've seen you've seen goalies with not as consistent stats come over to the Elite League and do well I think this has the potential to be probably one of the better goalies Coventry have signed for a, for a fair while, um, if I'm honest. So he has the stats that, that can give him a chance. But we're seeing players that have looked good, you know, have got great resumes, come over and naturally just bomb it. So in that context, it's wait and see, but he has the potential, I think. And with the team that they've signed, I think he's going to defensively he's made them a, bit, a, a better side than last year. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I mean, the other thing you've got to look at as well is a lot of the goalies that come over here with good stats and then bomb it are, you know, you, you look into your early 30s, mid-30s. I mean, this guy's 26. So, again, you know, he's, he's still looking at building up his CV. He's still looking at trying to get the best kind of career that he can out of it. Um, so, he's, he's still got a lot to play for in Coventry as well. At that age, he has a great season in Coventry. He could knock on the door in Germany and potentially do a Dan Bacler end up with someone like the SHL, one of the top teams in Europe, and have a great European career. Um, and especially goal, especially goalies can play up to the to the 40s, uh, as we've seen some uh, top-level goalers do. He's all the time in the world to do it. Yeah, important season for Coventry, because they want to bounce back from a lot of poor, uh, the last couple of poor seasons, and an important season for him as well, because he's got that opportunity. But I'll, I'll, I'll say the social media bit just before we throw it over to Andy and Greff, because I don't want one of those to steal it. Um, we talked about trolling and Nottingham trolling, end up trolling their own fan base um, unintentionally. Uh, obviously, when they signed Kevin Carr, the, the, the Taylor Swift gifts, um, trying to trying to suggest that Danny Taylor was going to be the uh, the keeper that they were announcing. Uh, Coventry tweet out in the morning that they announced Jamie Phillips, and they tweet retweet for a goalie whose name is not Taylor. And then the Taylor Swift gif. I just thought it was just the absolute <laughs> perfect tweet. Absolutely perfect. That was spot on. It's it's that good nature. I mean, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Um, you, you was busy for some some event or some something Pre- that was happening. Prepping getting married, yeah. No, yes, yeah, so, some, something important. 
No, no, just a bit of paper signing. Uh, but we mentioned that type of, of, of social use. Um, commentary got it spot on. And in fairness, they, they do have a, a, a fair, fairly decent social media output. And I mean, their signing announcements this year have been have been spot on. It's been original. It's been fresh. Um, you know, I mean, I know Stafford will like the Tinder one. Um, we know how much <laughs> he likes using Tinder. Um, but they've just kept it relevant. And this one, you know, they took advantage of a situation, played it to perfection. Well played, Coventry. Wasn't it Coventry that did the uh, the Love Island one as well when they signed Drew Scheistel? Yeah. Yep. Brilliant. <laughs> I'll throw it over to Gref and Andy anyway. Sorry, I always say I just wanted to get that in before anybody stole it. No, that's perfectly fine. I mean, in 2016, he actually signed a two-year entry-level contract with Winnipeg Jets. Big Buff. So, yeah, he was training with Big Buff. Oh. So, yeah. Genius. As you mentioned, good-looking guy. I think that's your new man crush. You said good-looking guy. Wait, I've not... You. Did I? Yeah, yeah. You did. When did I say he was a good-looking guy? I don't even see a picture of him. You said it at the very beginning of talking about him. When I, said, I think when I said good-looking guy, I think I meant stat-wise. I haven't even seen a picture of him. Well, I think two-year entry-level deal has just sealed the deal. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. You've been a happy wee-wee. Phillips, Phillips is my packle. <laughs> no one. No one has that level of respect and, admir- and admiration for goalie like I have for Packle. Back off. Wait, back off. <laughs> back off. <laughs> now, um, just before you say what you want to say, Andy, I just want to throw this out on the podcast because we've, we've referenced Packle a fair few times. <laughs> when when Packle... Go on, you go. Go for so, it. Uh, so we played... So Sheffield played Nottingham and Packle was his first game against Sheffield and I'm, we're talking away. And I'm like, you know what? He looks a good keeper. It's his first time we've seen him. He then went on to concede eight. <laughs> so that... Oh, he looks good. He's going to do well. Worked wonders. The next game, I think he conceded six. Then the game after, <laughs> seven. So he's kind of looking at... Oh, I think he'd be a good netminder. He weren't helping out. We'd just like to also highlight the fact that Dave is the netminder of the podcast. <laughs> and so out of the four of us should know what to look for in a good, <laughs> a good netminder. You should have Sorry. an answer. The only thing I know how to is put, pick the puck out of the net. Yeah. <laughs> well, Paco was good at that as well. He was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Andy, I cut you off there, mate. Carry on. Um, yeah, it's a very good sign for Coventry. Uh, again, a young guy, 26 years old. A 2007 draft pick by the Winnipeg Jets, 190 overall. Really got a wealth of experience for a young guy. Coventry have had very good goalers in recent years. They've had Peter Hirsch, Brett Yeager, uh, Brian Stewart, uh, Matt Hackett. A lot of really good goalers. Uh, apart from Hackett, but ghosted over uh, Mika Vickman. The experience that he's got. Um, <laughs> it's very, very good. The only thing that's uh, bugging me a bit is in recent years we've not had, had as, as many, you know, great goal scorers like Marquardt, Ben Lake, uh, Nicky Farouk, but apart from those three in, UC, in recent years, I haven't had that quality up front compared to net minding. So will they be re- relying on? Flips a little bit more of a season, bearing in mind they're not really signed in any uh, top top line scorers or anything. I was about that, but again, you know, 
great stats and a very good looking goalie. Do you know what? I think we should really like start publishing the video from uh, from these recordings because Dave's face <laughs> while he was trying to figure out what you were saying in half of that point, he had this look of perplexion on his face all the way through your point there, Andy. Then at the end, he just had this, "Oh, that's where you were going with that," and just had this like nod of admiration that he agreed with what you were saying. That's Cheshire, <laughs> listen, 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 I'm thinking, where's he going with this? And it's, "Oh, that's where." All oh, right. <laughs> I fully agree, it's, yeah. like, it's like they don't trust me or anything. I, mean, I do trust you, mate. You just, I just didn't know where you were going with it. Don't believe him, Andy. He's lying. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you, Andy. I don't trust Griff. Thanks. Neither do I, sir. And I'm not even worth a mention, apparently. I trust Griff. He don't tr- trust you. He doesn't trust Griff. He didn't even mention me. It's charming. You've got to earn the trust, mate. Earn it like Packle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So the last signing that we've got to go through, I'll throw it over to Andy um, because Andy was so keen on telling us about the Steelers swing guy. So I'm just going to give him a rerun at his, his swing guy joke. Andy, would you like to tell us about the Steelers' new swing guy? Yes, still signed Eric Mullins, who up until a few days ago, I never knew what a swing guy was. I don't mind talking about that. That's the first time I mentioned it. Yeah, looking very good. Uh, Wait, as editing's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he signs uh, from the EBEL, Fehavar uh, AV19, uh, 44 games last season, 23 points. Uh, before that, played in the L 2 with Bad Nauheim, and then HK, HK Nitra the year before in Slovakia, and to mention, which uh, Dave and Joe will like, uh, played for Rumpstead uh, in Brian 16-17. So that would have been the time that we were there as well. So that's great. Uh, 11 points in 16 games. Uh, looking very good. Uh, 29 years old, so a little bit younger compared to the guys that we signed, which is great. Need a little bit of younger, younger players coming in as well now. Um, it's interesting because uh, until he was signed with the Steelers, he was down his position as just a defenseman. Uh, and I, I wish you looked at his profile before we started the podcast. Uh, it's, now, it's now mentioned that he's a defenseman slash centre, so they've changed that recently, which uh, I was quite perplexed at first because, obviously, with him just being a D-man before they changed it over, uh, I, I was saying, you know, we've already got six defensemen, so why would we need another import one? But they have changed that now, so, yeah, it's good. And it is a swing guy that they've been looking for, and uh, I think Fox picked the right guy. Uh, got some good stats. And uh, he's waiting to be in Sheffield, so looking forward to seeing him play. I think his Rungstead career was the year before How's that we been? played him, I think. Um, however, you know, good place, good city, good luck to him in the, in the CHL. Um, good teams he's played for as well. If you look at his resume um, um, in Slovakia, uh, Banska Bistrika, who's um, best one he's playing for this year. Um, yeah. Let's just go over the line. He's a good swing player. Um, yeah, you know, this is the new uh, this season's new line. Um, but it looks like he's you know versatile. He can do the roles well. He can pitch him where needs be, and he'll be that type of player that will go underrated, but will do the jobs that not everybody is able to do. If that makes any sense. So I think this is as important to sign him than you so can you big star players. It's that, it's, that, it's that another piece in the cog that will actually, you know, keep the cog turning. 
Um, so I, I'm happy he's in Sheffield as a Sheffield fan. Um, I'm happy he's in the league because he does have good, decent, you know, grounded stats. And his defensive game overall, in terms of, as a as a forward show demon, he's, he's got very much a plus instead of in the plus minus. So I think he'll do well, and I think he'll be that that underrated guy that will, like the Nottingham signing Malmquist, just go under the radar, but just do all the jobs. Um, probably, if, in terms of the forward side, probably as underrated as a, a Doug Shepherd type signing. Mm. Blast from the past. Indeed. Mm. For me, I he could be like the Evan Mosley type player for you guys. No, Gref, we're going further back examples. You've got to go like oh, no. go back got... in the archives. I can't remember hey, doing that. Hey, hey, we could do that, but we're talking, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Talking probably when you were, like, just in nappies. 20 years ago, I was three. <laughs> <laughs> you were just learning to walk. Still I mean, learning I, now. True. Yeah, that's <laughs> point. And I think that should be the title of this podcast, The Swing Guy. <laughs> okay, deal. <laughs> I signed that. The swing guy with Donald um, Stafford over there. Donald Stafford. fake news. So go on. Looking at his stats-wise, as a as a D-man, he's putting up some pretty, some really decent numbers. I mean, last season, 23 points in 44 games. That's... Something you won't really think of from a, a D man getting that many points. Not mentioning you, Joe. Nice little drive by there, mate. Thank you for that. Pumping All my right. tires. Alright. But from looking at his stats, he looks like he could be that really good guy for you guys. That'll be like the second or third line, maybe. And then obviously if you get any injuries to D man, he'll drop into defence this is the thing that I like about him I mean it's that it's that flexibility and versatility that he brings um, you know if we're going to play him primarily as a top six forward by the looks from what Fox has said um, I said oh, no sorry top nine forward I think he said actually sorry I've, I've misquoted already yeah top top nine role um, but then you look at the possibility of if we lose a D-man for injury he slots down. We, we've got a vast number of forwards that I think we're going to be putting on like a two-way deal almost with, with the Steel Dogs. You've got the likes of Kieran Brown, Alex Graham, Brandon Whistle currently. Um, so you look at that and, and think, well, you know, we've got all these guys that have the ability to play forward if we need them. I don't think that they're going to be playing a huge amount of games next season, but having a guy like Meland who's able to play in that top nine forward position, obviously presumably slotting into that third line. But then if we lose a D man, he drops into slot in and then we bring a guy up that like our team seems to be built now to be prepared for those kind of potential injuries and those kind of slot rounds that we need, which is always good to see. And again, as you say, um, listening to Fox's interview, I mean, he's primarily played as a D-man over the last few years. So to see his stats as they are, um, plus mainly positives in the plus-minus columns, 
uh, you know, and he's still putting up a decent number of points. I mean, 23 points in 44 games in the EBEL last year. Um, and exactly like I said about um, Brocklehurst, he's a guy that's new to the league. He's a guy that we've never seen before and a guy that we can get excited about seeing for the first time in the new season. But he's also a guy that we can have confidence that the coach knows what kind of player he's signing. He's watched him last year when he was coaching for Zagreb. He knows what this guy brings to the table. And, you know, he looks like another good guy that's been signed. Probably one of the more underwhelming signings just because, you know, he's not one of those top six forwards or he's not a top four D-man. But I, I agree with you, Dave. I think with the with the top profile of a lot of the players that we're bringing in at the moment, he might be that one that just kind of isn't as widely talked about, but then actually brings it on the points and brings it in, you know, brings what we need to the team. I mean, you mentioned about the Fox and, and what he's signing. And it's, it's, it's clear that he is determined hook or by crook. He's having 16 men. And the, the signing he's made, he's not just got someone who can play D, but someone who can play a forward well, as a, and, and be able to hold their own, and just the capacity to be able to do that. So you're looking at the the, the nous in terms of how Fox has signed his team so far. Um, definitely that direction. So this player, I think, is going to fil- filter in very well. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing just how he how he blends in. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the last of the newly signed players. Um, hopefully this section, next section should be a little bit quicker because um, you know there's not quite as much to review. Uh, we've got six players that have had contract extensions, um, so just running through those, I'll kick it off with those for to start. The first player that I've got down is in a contract extension for Danik Gautier in Fife, so he's re-signed for the 1920 season. What do we think to uh, Danik Gautier? Good player, but what on earth was their social media doing when they announced the signing? Oh, God. I thought that badly drawn the IHL person had done the picture. It was that bad. And for a guy who they all, you know, respect and admire. Um, good player for the Flyers. Um, gets the points. And, you know, he's currently having a good season in, down under for Sydney. Um, 28 points in 13 games. He's, he's, he's the player that, that gives them that, that firepower. Um, and depth at the same time. So, you know, you look at his career, he's, he's a good East Coast player, a little bit of experience at AHL um, for Syracuse. The type of player you want to resign, and it's going to give five that, uh, that firepower that they need, um, given that they've not made that many signings officially. I think, I don't I think, like, badly Johnny AHL was as better art than the photo that they posted in guys to that. I mean, it was as if, like, their Wi-Fi connection had, like, cut out halfway through whilst loading the image. It was that bad. I liked I the mean, references that people were making to it being, like, a Wii avatar. Like, there's been a few people that have, like, made a Wii avatar that looked the same. <laughs> kind of, like, copied it. so much backlash from guys. I mean, the, the Five Press even said, they hadn't been told anything about it either. I mean, that's quite bad as well for not even telling your press that, oh yeah, we're going to announce that we're signing pretty much what they called was the goal for them, for Fife themselves. Do you know what they need to do, Griff? They need to announce it at 6am announcement. That's what they needed to have done. Oh, definitely. They need to post it. Oh yeah, 
Make sure you get off at six o'clock. Get your alarm set. Six o'clock. We'll announce the signing. That's what we need to do. And then announce it at six ten, so those people that set their alarms can just <laughs> yeah. sit in irritation for ten minutes. <laughs> And moan about it on social media. Well, at least it'll fill the ten minutes. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned about the picture because um, I guarantee you've got on, on Google Image, Google Images right now. It's having, it's having Danny Gautier. The first image that comes up is him in a Flyers jersey, and it's very clear. So they must have tricked there, didn't they? Yeah. Maybe they just jumped back to dial up internet and they couldn't Google it. It's just pixelated, so they just thought we'll have that. <laughs> They're on AOL dial up. <laughs> AOL dial up. Oh god, back in the day. Oh yeah, remember that. Um, yeah, good points to Fife as well. Just last season, thirty-six points in sixty games. Uh, finished with a plus two rating. Uh, and for the last few years, is Dank's been their sort of their poster guy, really. You know, he's, he's, he's been their identity, uh, along with Shane Owen as well, who's obviously played a few years with Fife as well. Um, decent stats, um, like they said, playing very well in Sydney. Um, yeah, had a good re-signing for Fife. And uh, they've been quite slow as a recent with the with signs and re-signings, but uh, after a, a long spell without signing anybody, this is a great player to announce for re-signing. Yeah, certainly a guy that they'd have wanted to bring back. Um, and also, always good to have a guy that knows which side of the ice he's going to in Fife, because you never know what kind of complications it's going to bring if you go to the wrong side. Um, what side's that? <laughs> well, that is, that, that is the question, Gareth. That is the question. We have hashtag who is Gareth Dutton. They have hashtag which side of the ice do we stand on. But um, that was horrendous, but hey-ho. Um well, you know, I they need some like neon signs to point. I'm telling you, they need one of those blokes like in an airport or even in a plane. <laughs> um, but no, he, he looks like a good guy to sign. I mean, I can only presume that Five haven't announced the rest of their team yet because they're still waiting for their internet to load um, so they can announce it. But might have to go back to the old-fashioned press and start uh, sending it out in newspapers again. But we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. I'll fax machines. I've just got this image of Goody Munro with the two little paddle things just like directing. <laughs> <things. laughs> Could make things interesting at the uh, the mascot dance off thing they do at playoffs, couldn't it? When Clangus is stood there doing the dancing and it's just Jordan Munro just dancing there with his little flashy paddles. Left um, hoof, right hoof. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, 0.77 points per game over the last couple of seasons that he's played in the Elite League. Um, so certainly a guy that, that, you know, that can bring the points. AHL experience, ECA, ECHL experience. Um, you know, yeah, we're a good guy that they're going to want to bring. And as you say, he's getting that experience. I'd, I'll throw this out there now just because of the fact that he's doing it. Do we think that there's the advantage of playing in the, the Australian League in the off-season? Or do we think that, it's better or off for him to. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going down the line of the same kind of line of. Oh, I don't think the CHL or GB should be played because it's a chance for getting injuries. But I'm more thinking like the off season is often a time to kind of work on the off ice training, get the bodies back in shape, but without it being quite as high intensity. So to give yourself the time to to kind of recover from the intensity of the season. So do we think that there's that kind of benefit from playing in the Australian league because you kind of you carry on as you are or 
do we think that the Australian League is more of a hindrance because they don't have that time to recover from the on-ice intensity? I suppose in one respect, it's kind of the same as you see um, on Twitter now. A lot of, um, and okay, it's the NHL as an example, a lot of guys just get on a team and play hockey. Um, it's kind of just the same. They're just, just skating around. This is just more organised. Um, and it's a chance to go and see the world and get paid for it. So I suppose it's horses for courses. It's You either get injured playing um, a game of rec, you call it rec, back home in Canada, or you, you get injured playing in an organised game in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, you could probably you could probably get injured just walking down the road. To be fair, so it's well, I, I don't I don't necessarily mean it just from the from the exposure to injury side, but the, also the kind of as I say a lot of the off season is used for the kind of the off ice building the kind of strength and the you know the conditioning side of things, and not necessarily ne- the intensity of the on ice training. So I'm not necessarily thinking so much you could pick up an injury with the on-ice training. I'm more thinking like the time in the off-season gives them a time to kind of recover from any knocks and bruises on, and, um, and, you know, and that, that they've got from the season that's just gone. I see, I see what the question that you're asking in, in the context of, you know, could it have an impact, but it, it's kind of that, like Gref said, and I know that were the point you were trying to make. Mm. Um, um, it's you know if you if you get you could get injured just in a training you know you could you know twist the wrong way and that's it your season done or even at this part of the year so I suppose you just are horses for courses right you either get injured playing a friendly knockabout or in an organised game yeah oh yeah no I mean to be fair I kind of lean on the side of it's quite good to have the kind of the consistency of. He, you know, he's he's rolling straight into the season. You know, it's not like it takes a few weeks to get back into playing again because he's had that kind of, you know, the, not the experience because he's played for long enough. But you know, he's carried on rolling since last season. It's kind of almost not, not, no stop. So you kind of have that consistency to roll forward. So I'd kind of lean on it as more of a positive, uh, and particularly when he's putting up the points, like twenty eight points in thirteen games. Certainly looking uh, to add the all-important C-word that we uh, experienced in the in the pre-season last year for the Steelers, which was uh, the all-important confidence that we like to see our forwards obtain. Of course. Of course, we like to see some confidence. Uh, we'll move away from Gauthier anyway. Um, we'll move to uh, one of our favourite names to hear on the Belfast Webcast, and I'm going to throw it over to Andy for this one, just because I like to hear him say it. Andy, would you like to tell us who's got a contract extension in Belfast, who they've re-signed? Yeah, Belfast have re-signed Kevin Jones for a very good year last season. Uh, definitely one of our favourites, I think, from, uh, from our trips over there. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a very good player. I, I think he's a player that, um, you know, on to resign this season. Um, I'll try and find stats. I can't find them at all. Google. I'll give you a clue. If you go on Google and search Kevin Rain yeah, and then click that. stats, have, they come up. Yeah, oh, right now. It's, it's just slow internet. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, have yeah, you, have you been using Fives internet? <laughs> I think I have. I've, I've I think you need some, That's probably a problem. I think you need some technical support. I'm uh, off you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last season, uh, 
10 points in 51 games. Not not amazing, but obviously uh, a very good impact, impact defensively, defensively for Belfast. Through some good hits, and uh, every time we saw him play really well, uh, got good experience in the American Hockey League as well. Um, yeah, it's, it'll be his third season in Belfast, and um, for me, a, a very good signing for them. Yeah, good. The, the type when they announced him signing for him again, that was a happy fan base, and that says a lot. If your fan base collectively is happy, did a great job for him and, and steadies the ship. Um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, you look at his stats again. Good league experience has done well over the last two seasons. Now they have added responsibility of having to play up against the the CHL, and so that will be interesting to see how his game matches up with that. I think he'll be all right. I think he'll do okay um, as long as the, with the rest of the Giants. So a good player, you know, plus minus last year of plus seventeen in the league. Uh, for a defenseman, yeah, you take that every day of the week and the month for Sunday. So, good time, good re-signing for the Belfast Giants. And yeah, I think yeah, that's for the fan base itself. They were just raving that yes, we've got Kerry Rain back. I mean, like you mentioned with the plus, the plus minus of having being a plus seventeen, that's incredible. I mean. One of the reasons why they won, they won the league. It's a big plus, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely huge plus. <laughs> definitely. Let's <laughs> just get Griff's just like no done. Um, I'd like. Bravo, to, I'm just going to start off talking about Kevin Rain by saying I love the fact that I we for a. We've been taking the Mickey and saying Fife's internet is slow because obviously because of the pixelated picture. B, I've just said I'm going to kick it over to Andy because I like to hear him say his name. And then just as Andy said, Kim Belfast have re-signed Kevin Rain. His internet broke, so you didn't hear him say Kevin Rain. I just thought the utter uh, irony. Right. The utter irony was just perfect. Um, but I was wondering um, why we're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, as, as you say, guys, he's had a couple of seasons in, in Belfast, so their fan base being happy about the re-signing, certainly a, um, certainly a sign to say how good a player he's been for them. Plus 17 in the last 51 games is, is certainly good. Um, it's nice to have a defensive defenceman. There's not that many of them around now in the league, or it doesn't seem to be. Um, you tend to see defensemen putting more and more points up. Um, the likes of... You know, Gleason Fournier being the perfect example. Obviously, everybody kind of goes towards him as one of the best players in the league, putting up the points. But it's not a defender's job. And whilst it's good to see them putting up the, the scoring as well, it's also nice to see a defensive defenseman doesn't put up the points. Kind of like what you do, Gref. Um Pretty much, I just pass it to you. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, you know, I mean, he's, he's lifted some silverware. Obviously, lifted the uh, the Elite League champion. Uh, Trophy, the cup, uh, and obviously the Airheart Conference, as we all say, the importance of the uh, of the conference champion. Um, but also, you know, 2014-15, when he was playing for Manchester Monarchs in the AHL, won a Calder Cup, uh, 53 games a D-man, plus six overall. So looks to be a good season and lifting a Calder Cup at the end of it. So he's got some good experience, uh, brings a lot to the team. So I think they'll be very happy to assign Kevin Rain. Resigned Kevin Rain even. 
Uh, who is next on the list? Dave, I will throw it over to you for Cardiff uh, re-signing. The one player that Cardiff are already struggling to work out how they replace when he decides to call it a day. So that's Mark Richardson. Um, 32-year-old, uh, already had a stellar career for Cardiff and GB, was one of the team that uh, survived relegation in the World Champs this year. And he's just a steady, solid player. He just does the job. No ifs, the buts. But, he's, you know, there's no... He's the glue to their defence. He's, he's the guy, you know, they have Gleason Fournier and all them. He's the one that's just steadies the ship completely. And he's the one that's... That a lot of Cardiff... Um, a lot of Cardiff folk attribute to their success, along with the players have had, they say, Mark Richardson. Um, leadership has had the A for Cardiff over the last few years. Um, decent guy, decent human being as well. He, he delayed his testimonial year uh, to allow them to do the Matska game uh, that Cardiff hosted for their, their ex-player. Um, so just the type of person that he is, Everyone knows him is on ice. Me and Graf, as GB fans, obviously have, uh, have, have enjoyed him um, in, the, in the GB shirt. The type of player that you still would have on your team, any any team in the Elite League would take him, if offered, no ifs and buts. Um, so, great re-signing for the Devils. Uh, not so good for everyone else. Yeah, he's a stellar D-man. Um, he was one of the guys that was on the ice as well. One of the three guys that was on the ice when Ben Davis scored. That OT, that glorious OT winner. That is on later on today in free sports. It is indeed. So, five past seven. You two. Pointing at you, Joe. Staff. <laughs> we already lived it. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. <laughs> But yeah, he's he's one of those. He's like Mister Reliable for Cardiff and for GB. He's he's like the the backbone, you could say. Is it's like you mentioned, Dave. Any elite league team would love to have him on their squad. He's just that good. <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely devil's folklore. I mean, uh, been loyal to them. Uh, for a while now, last five six years, so it's very good. Um, it's coming, it's coming off his best season uh, for a while. Twenty nine points in fifty two games, uh, and as a thirty two year old, you know it, it says a lot about him. He's he's keeping fit. Um, he's he's still got so much uh, confidence and, and ability, and he, he's got a lot more to give. To, Cardiff and um, yeah a fantastic human being as well um, lots of GB experience and I can go in going from strength to strength yeah I'd, I'd just like to say the most satisfying thing out of all for Mark Richardson is the fact that his total number of games played in the Elite League is 666 and he's playing <laughs> for the Cardiff Devils I just think that's just amazing Um but no, a, a guy that, you know, as you say, I mean, he, he speaks volumes. You look at his Elite Prospects page, not only is it a mile long, 
but you get towards the bottom and it's just Great Britain A, Cardiff Devils A, Great Britain A, Cardiff Devils A, Great Britain A, Cardiff Devils A. You don't get a guy that's worn the A for his country and for his club for so many years without him having something about him. Um, I mean, my God, Richardson does, doesn't he? I mean, 52 games last year, plus 33. As you guys say, I mean, he's just going from strength to strength. He's 32 now, and his game isn't really showing a great deal of decline at the moment. Plus 33 in 52 games in his last season is fantastic for a D-man. Putting up the points as well. Uh, just a quality signing, quality re-signing for Cardiff. Um, one that I think we all expected. Um, I don't expect to see him go anywhere else until he retires. Um, and Cardiff, as you say, will be hoping that that isn't for a fair few years yet. Just to, to bounce on what you said in terms of the A, I think he's unlucky that he's playing in the same time as Jonathan Phillips. Yeah. On the respect of, if you didn't have a Jonathan Phillips... That A for GB becomes be the C. Um, yeah. But also, I've just noticed he actually had a stint in Kazakhstan for our favourite team, Arlan Kokshetu. Uh, 13 no. games. No. Yes, he did, yes. Ah. Oh, hold Went on. Back- no, hold on. I, I, I got mixed up then. As much as we like Kokshetu, I thought you meant Klagen for, for a second then, but then I realised that's Austrian. So, my apologies. Bit of a, difference. a little bit excited then. A little bit of a difference. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. The type of player that every team would have. Yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. Um, so, then we have... Let's have a look. Griff, would you like to tell us about the, uh, the re-signing for Guildford? Yeah, so they've re-signed 6'5", D-man, Corbin Baldwin. Last season, yeah, he only got nine points in 60 games. But he was, I mean, being six foot five, you can't really miss him, but he was a go-to guy in regards to being a defensive defenseman and someone that will be, it would drop the gloves for you if if it's to help his team. And on that team, you've got guys like Jesse Craig and... Kelly Ackerwood, but you like your your point scorers from D-Men. He's more your yeah. I'm going to try and stop you from getting near our goaler. He's just. I mean, if you look at his stat-wise in the East Coast League as well, before he came to the Elite League, he was putting up between twenty and thirty, well, thirteen points for two seasons, 20 points one season, and he was putting up like 130 penalty minutes. It shows he's a, a team player. He'll he'll stick up for his team guys. He'll be one that you'd love to have. Yeah, he's a very uh, very physical physical D-man for Guildford. Uh, 62 games played last season, nine points, but like Graf said, he's one of those players who will stick up for his teammates, and he does complete the puzzle in Guildford. You know, they've already got some fantastic point scorers. Got Kaliakared, Ian Watters, good goaltending duo within uh, Fulton and Carosi. So he, he does complete that puzzle in in the uh, the physical guy that 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 the that they needed, and it's great to see him back on board there. Uh, played in the AHL for Iowa Wild, 
uh, on two occasions. Uh, I did really, really, really well there as well. So, yeah, yeah, good signing. Yeah, definitely the stay at home. But one thing that stands out for me in terms of his previous um, before coming to Guildford was his plus minus in the East Coast with Idaho was always in, in the, the positive. So that shows the type of game that he could play. Then you add the penalty minutes, and apart from the first year, it was over 100. That shows the type of game that he offers to Guildford and was the bit that made, that Guildford didn't have. They have the flash players, great players. They're not the, the tough, physical, pure defence uh, defenseman. So he, he's that, the, he balances out what their defence has, and it's a good re-signing for, for Guildford. Yeah, I think this is the guy that most Steelers fans would like to see the kind of this kind of player signed. Um, you know, he's got the ability as a D man. Uh, Sixty games last year and a minus five, so not not bad going really. Nine points, so more of a stay at home D man than anything else. Not not the guy that's going to go go out and get you twenty thirty points a season. But as Greff says, he's going to protect your goalie. He's going to protect the players on the ice. He's not bothered about dropping the gloves. He had a good four four or five fights last season. I think he fought against Guptill, uh, Gauthier a couple of times. I think he fought Springer. He did. Um, so, you know, yeah, he's. I mean, he's a guy that's willing to drop the gloves. He brings some toughness in. This is one of the things that's, that's um, a frequent topic of conversation at the moment in Sheffield. Um, a lot of people concerned about the lack of toughness in the Steelers team. Um, and I, I think in that aspect, this is the kind of player, if, you, if you're concerned about toughness, that you want on the team. He's not an out-and-out fighter. He's not a guy that's going to be, you know, the, the knuckle-dragger that can't play but, but will drop the gloves if needs be. He's got a good hockey ability. He's a hard hitter. He'll protect his goalie, but he'll drop the gloves as well if needs be. So he does bring that toughness. Um, a good addition to, to Guildford, um, or, well, re-addition to Guildford, should I say. And it's the kind of thing you want when they've got so many star players as well. As we say, we look at the, the, the likes of Akered, Craig, Anybody takes a cheap shot at them, it could it could very much be the end to, to Guildford's chances of winning any silverware that season. So having a guy as a bit of a deterrent as well is something that they're going to want. So Baldwin certainly looks to fit that fit that bill as well. I should also mention that uh, Corbin is the brother of God Baldwin, playing for Steelers in 2013 and 2014. Wow. Right. I actually nearly wrote down Gore Baldwin by accident instead of Corbin, so that's, that's quite funny you say that. Um, I'm just going to run through the last two uh, that we have just because they're both for Glasgow and they're the last two, um, I say, contract extensions, re-signings that we've got in the league so far from the last week. Uh, so the first is Gary Russell, um, who has re-signed, as I say, in Glasgow. And... Um, I believe, Dave, from what you were saying, he's on a two-way deal with Solway. Yeah, um, so he will play a majority of his games with Solway Sharks in the NIHL, I believe. Yes, NIHL 1. Um, but he'll train with, with Glasgow, and should uh, their backup not be available, uh, he will be able to step up. Uh, so very similar to Sam Gospel in the arrangement that he had. Um, but his predominant play games will be in the NIHL. Play. I mean, I mean. To be fair, you look at his stats as a backup goalie and a guy that's now going to be the, the third goalie. 
I mean, he's seven games here, four games there, 20 games, another season. He's very much knocking around the 90% save percentage mark, um, kind of locking around the two and a half goals against average mark. I think once, one or two seasons where he's gone over the three. Um, but realistically, I mean, his stats aren't that bad for a backup goalie. Uh, so good, certainly a good guy to have as a third net. He was getting that experience in the NIHL one as you say, he's 29, so you know, get a bit more playing time under his belt. I definitely looks to be a good addition if he's if he's just on that agreement of he's there if you need him. No, definitely, it's um, sorry, it's uh, he has the stats um, for the backup, and he's, he's he, when I've seen him play, pretty solid goalie. Mm. You know, nothing flash, but he's gonna do, he'll do a job for you. Uh, so he's gone out to get more game time. He's got ages on his side. Um, so you know he's got plenty of time to to go back to be full time with the client. Um, so yeah, I think it'll benefit both parties. And there were some points last season where Clan fans were actually happy that he was actually being the starting netminder at some at one of the seven games that he played because they weren't too happy with Rumpel's performance. I mean, see him resigned, they'll. A lot of fans are actually happy with that. They're glad he's back. And hopefully he does well for Solway and gets the experience, gets more experience and gets called up to play some more games for Clan. Yeah, he's it, a very good backup. Uh, I, I remember a few years ago, 2016, when uh, Zajkowski got injured. He played 20 games, uh, ended up with that 8. Uh, 0.893 save percentage and three, three 3.34 goals again so that's not bad for backup you know stepping in to fill full input goal spot for 20 games that's really good and uh, I think this two way deal with Solway it's only going to improve him I, I think it needs the ice time first and foremost to get better uh, and I think within a few years you know I can easily see him possibly in being a first string for GB uh, still a very young guy as well still 29 years old so he's still got a long way to go, and I think he's he's, he's going to go do really well, especially on, on a two-way deal. Yeah, I think it's highlighting the use of having the NAHL one again now, bridging that gap. Um, having a guy like that on that kind of deal and getting that experience under his belt is, is crucial. Uh, so it really does show how much that facilitates it. Um, the last that we have then of the airport lounge, not really airport to be fair, because these guys are already here um, from a perspective of their re-signing. Uh, and in fact, he's already here as well as a guy, um, another Brit they've re-signed uh, that they've announced today. I believe they've announced today. Uh, Mac Howlett. Uh, so played last season, 57 games, five points. Uh, he is a centre, 19 years old. So only a young kid at the moment. Um, you know, he's played some played by the looks played some Finnish juniors that, that right yeah it's, it's, it's it, he, I looked at his stats earlier and I think he's not he's kind of like the up and coming one and then you don't realise that he spent a couple of years uh, in the, the system at Saipa um, you know decent uh, junior league over there and, and decent points um, you know so you look at his other junior, the O'Canahan Academy, 18 games, 38 points. GB representative at under 18s and 20. So again, another one who could start knocking on the door for the senior side. 
maybe two or three years away from that, but still. Um, yeah, just the, one thing Glasgow, but Brayhead as well, struggled with was having that good core of Brits. Um, so someone, you know, like Sheffield, Nottingham and Cardiff and Belfast, they have Brits who will be there for five, six, seven, maybe more years. Um, this could be the start of having a, a, another Brit that fulfills that role. Um, so all the best to him. And uh, let's you know, let's, you know, we got let's say one goal last season. We we'll, we'll say he can't get two or three. He will push on. A lot of people, some people do rave about him. Those who see, see more of him than, than I have, they actually do say he's very talented. Just need to get his, his teeth fully into senior hockey. So uh, he probably had one game for Solway. Probably surprised if he ends up playing a few games as well for Solway again. Yeah, only, I was just going to say the it'll same. O- it'll only help him out. Should that be the case? I think it should do wonders for him if he gets like in a two-way with Solway. Um, last season, he played for GB in the 20. Five games, five points. And he was a plus three. So that was showing he can... He's got some good potential there. I mean, even getting five points in 57 games for the clan in the Elite League and still only being on a minus four in like a full season. As a a young kid, that's something pretty good going for him. Getting the, the experience in the Finnish League has probably helped him a, a heck of a lot. There's not really anything I can really have to that, to be honest. Um, yeah, good, good experience in, in, in the... Um, European jury system, especially Finland. Uh, yeah, he's seen doing very well, um, points-wise, and his minus, very good, considering it's his first, uh, first season pro. Yeah, I was really for them, and I, I think he's, he's going to be another one of those um, core young Brits who are going to make it right up to the to GB senior level. Uh, so it, it is nice to see them coming coming back from Europe at an early age, and just, and just see him progressing, and I'm doing really well. It's fantastic to see and it gives us a uh, good stead for the future yeah it certainly does uh, moving away then from as I say the signings and re-signings we go towards one that's more of a kind of point of interest at the moment nothing really confirmed other than uh, it's just a kind of almost a situation of uncertainty uh, Jackson Whistle obviously signed a two uh, year deal at the start of last season for the Steelers, so obviously this will be his second season. Played 50 games for the Steelers last year. Um, now it's looking like there's a chance that he may be leaving. Uh, there's been a lot of talk, there's been a lot of rumours, um, and Aaron Fox has now done an interview with Pete Spencer on the BBC. I listened to that earlier, uh, where they asked him about it, and he was very open. There's one thing that you can definitely say about Fox is he keeps his cards close to his, you know, Keeps his cards close to his chest when he needs to, but he has no issues about being very open and honest about about situations like this. He's very much said that Jackson is uneasy about the idea of sharing the net. There's rumours about them, you know, him be, being asked to take a pay cut because of. Um, obviously, he's not just going to be the only starting netminder as he was signed as. So, yeah, I mean, there's rumours that he could be leaving. There's rumours that he could be staying. Um, I've heard that he's been given until the end of the week to give answers. I've heard that he's just been given a timescale of soon. 
um, to get his answer back. So I, there's not a lot of certainty in terms of what's going on with it at the moment, but obviously the, the, the only certainty really at the moment is there is the chance that he could be leaving Sheffield. What do we think, guys? I'm not going to say concerning, but it's, it's, a, it's a slight worry. As If you're fighting for a spot and you are not prepared to fight for that spot, it's a bit worrying. Now, when I say that, I'm going to flip the coin over. He was signed as the starting goalie. He's come over on a two-year deal signed by, by Tomo on, 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 as a starting goalie. So all, halfway through, what you've, been, what you've gone over to a new team has changed. So I can, from that angle, I could understand why he, he may be thinking, you know, I'll, I'll go somewhere where I'll be able to be a starter. He wants to be a starter. He's still young enough to, to, to you know, hone in his, his skill set. Um, me personally, I would be happy if he was willing to fight for that number one spot and kind of give Sheffield the, the goalie luxury not seen since the Super League years of having two starting goalies within the ranks and not just someone who could go in net as you know, no respect to the back backup net miners that we've had over the years. Um to have two, you know, two solid goalies at any given time. Um it's going to be interesting. I've, I've heard a couple of teams where he's been rumoured to have uh, been signed. Um, it's rumour, so, well, not not rumour enough for the rumour game. Uh, but uh, I, th- I think next week will be, in terms of a time scale, be interesting to see what happens with Jackson Whistle and his, his Sheffield career. And I think he probably, if he does leave, I think it's going to be, he thinks, if he doesn't get the, the number one role, is probably his place at playing for GB could be at risk. And it might not be, but it could be something that he'd think of. I mean, one of the rumours that was going around social media, if he is going up there, it's, let's hope the, the internet's stronger. That's all I'll say with that one. Yeah, obviously the... Uh the draw of, of being a starter in Sheffield would, would have been the, the decision-making for Sheffield in the first place. I mean, he, he shared the net in uh, 2016 and 2017 in Belfast with uh, Stephen Murphy and Andrew Dixon. Uh, so, obviously, it must be a big draw to be the the starter for Sheffield. But, um, yeah, I think he did well last season. Uh, obviously, he didn't have the best team in front of him. But I, I think when called upon, did really well. And and in GB did did he do a decent job as well. Um, the only headache I've got is obviously trying to find if he does decide to go to go. That's that's fair enough to him. You know, I I wish him well if he if he does go and, and finds what he's looking for. But then gives still has a massive headache on trying to find a replacement for him. Someone good enough, if not better, especially this time of year, it must be really hard. Find someone uh, on the budget. Um, and, and everything else as well. There can't be too many goals knocking around. So that's going to be a massive headache if he does go, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I'm particularly overly disappointed. Um, and that's nothing against Jackson. I don't, I don't think he had as good a season as people gave him credit for last year. Granted, not the best team in front of him. Granted, not the best circumstances. And uh, again, granted, he made some good saves, 
But then at other times, for me, there were just some some saves that you just looked at and thought, okay, you know, every every goalie lets it's a bad one in now and then. But then it just started to become a bit too often that you were seeing the goals go in that you just thought, mm, okay. And and it was getting to the point as well towards the end of the season where obviously the team were picking up. We got Barrasso in charge. We got him at the helm. We'd got some good players in. We were starting to contest more in games. And even at that point, it we just seemed to be weak between the pipes at, at certain times. I mean, look at stats, and the stats don't necessarily lie in this instance. He was ninth in the league last year. Um, you know, he had a, he had a, a save percentage of point eight nine eight. There's there's thirteen goalies listed on the stats list for goalies on the Elite League page um, from last year, and there's only two goalies that have got a save percentage lower than 0.898. And when we're talking that, we're talking 0.896. So only 0.2% different. 0.2% different. Um, and that was Capriva, who played nowhere near as many games. I can't see how many games on here now. Uh, 21 games. And then the other was Matt Hackett, who played 27 games and was 0.893. So very, very close to whistle save percentage there so third bottom in save percentage I just think we we can make the excuse as much as we want to say oh it was a bad season Dundee had a bad season last year Pontus Jogren finished seventh in the league he had a 90% save percentage of 3.05 goals against average whistle had a 3.20 goals against average and a 0.898 save percentage so I just think statistically you know, I don't think he necessarily did as well as he's given credit for all the time. Not as I say, not necessarily a knock on him. Um, as Aaron Fox has said, if we can keep him, brilliant. If not, then so be it. We've got to try and get the best goalie that we can get between the pipes. And I, I'd be lying if I said I thought that was Whistle. I think Whistle would be a great second netminder, but I think we need an out-and-out starter. Um, the one thing that strikes me is when, when Whistle came to us, he said that he was signing and he wanted almost to use Sheffield as a stepping stone to get himself into Europe. He was what he was he was really, really pushing, he was really, really aspiring to move into Europe. If he's not willing to fight for ice time and fight for the time now between the pipes, what's he gonna do when he gets to Europe? It's only gonna be the same. So it's okay going, Oh, I'm I'm a goalie, I want to be the starter. But you're a goalie that's aspiring to be in Europe, where that's never going to be the case. So I just just strike that just the whole situation, the timing of it, and everything just seems very very strange. But I, I guess it is one of those of whatever will be will be kind of kind of things. You know, if he goes, he goes. Then we have to make do with what we've got. We have to find the right signs for us. And if he stays, brilliant. Get in a second netminder, and we'll have. If he stays, and we get in some of the netminders that are rumored, we'll have the best goalie one-two punch next year. But that's a big if on whether he stays. So what you're saying is, Climby should have stayed. I liked Climby. I, I Climby got a lot of um, got a lot of stick, but I liked Climby. I thought he was I thought he was better than he was given credit for. <laughs> but we'll see anyway. We'll see. It'd be interesting to see what happens with Whistle and that, and what what happens with that scenario. Um. So the last few things that we've got on the agenda, we've got a couple of questions on uh, on Facebook. 
Don't think we had any via Twitter. No. No. Okay, Dave, have you got the questions there in front of you? You're normally our question guy. Indeed, I have. So um, we'll start with the easy one, I think. Feel, feel uh, like we need a little theme tune for question time, just 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 for you. I'll, I'll leave it in your cable hands. Um, uh, well, so, we've, we've not even got our current intro at the moment because I don't have it on, on my laptop. So uh, <laughs> there you think, go. So pending would definitely be the status I'd put on that at the moment. So first question from Matt Budden. Thank you very much. And he asks, how can the Elite League attract more elite talent to become an attractive prospect place comparative to Sweden and Finland and them type of league stroke countries? Probably doing well in the CHL, that'll that'll help because that'll gain more reputation. And obviously, with GB doing well, staying in the top league, that'll also help. After that, I can't can't really think of anything else. I mean, we've got the uni deals, that helps bring in some top players. Certain clubs, anyway. I think just advertising the league a bit more. Um, obviously, as, as, as Greff said, GB doing fantastically well, and, and, and that's been uh, opened up a few eyes uh, for, for new and, and really good players to the league. So, I think that in itself has made a massive difference. So, I think as, as far as the GB itself, keep doing really well. Um, I, think, I, think, I think we're finally attracting these these really elite top end players, uh, but just a bit more advertising the league, just just you know just just throwing it out there a, a little bit more. I think um, apart from apart from those, can't we really think of anything else? I think one of the things that people are going to be quick to point a finger at is to say that the officiating needs to in- improve. Uh, and the only thing that I'll say about that is if you're saying that the officiating needs to improve for us to attract more talent like Finland, Sweden and the top European leagues, if that's really the stance that you're taking, then you need to watch some more games in, in Finland and Sweden and the top European leagues. Because really, really, the the standard of officiating is is no better than we have over here. You've got to bear in mind the fact that nobody's going to be happy with the decisions made by officials. And I'm not going to get into the whole argument of are the officials as bad as everybody says, but I, I don't think that's... It's just something that I presume is going to be one thing that people would attribute to what we'd need to improve. Um, honestly, I mean, it's difficult to say. I mean, we've got... We've, we've, we're seeing players... I mean, look at Liam Kirk pushing himself to, to the absolute max at the, at the age of like 17, 18 to play for the Steelers, get himself drafted, play out there in the OHL. And we're seeing more players kind of moving abroad um, I kind of wonder if there's anything we can do to, to tweak our junior system to be more appealing to people of, of, of a similar elk but uh, you know from different countries but when you look at the junior systems and how established they are in the likes of Sweden and linking into the Alsvenskan and things like that you know we, we, we've got a hell of a long way to go to get our junior system into the same kind of boat um, I, it really is difficult to say uh, it, I suppose how I'd look at it is, is Great Britain knows its place within the grand scheme of things. And when I say that, I say it's the following. Unless the, the whole psyche of, of the country changes about hockey, and it's in, on par with the Swedes, the Finns, the Slovakians, 
the checks, where it is the be-all and end-all, then, then things start changing. So the systems start changing. So, for example, you know, everyone says the worry about netminding. But you ask all coaches, elite league only, probably the same in lower down leagues, is an 80% goalie is, gives you more chance than a backup because the risk is you drop a couple of league games, that league title, which is the be-all end-all, becomes you know out of, the, out of the question. So if you went down the, a change of route where it becomes the playoff winner and best of, of somehow and description, where you have the chance to play more games with a backup and allow them that element but it's about the, the, the psyche and the culture um for it to change to be on par with sweden and finland and attracting players because the system then and it's it, it just everything flows to be that type of structure for now we're on par with you know you know the danish the italians um the austrians may not be totally ebl but you know just under that um, so we find our place there. I mean, years ago, you'd have come to the UK, have a great year, I'll get you over to Europe, as in mainland Europe. Now, you are seeing players, and are quoting players, not clubs quoting it, but when they're interviewed back home, is go to Denmark, for example, go to Italy, have a good year, and come over to the UK. So it kind of, in terms of a stepping stone, it's kind of raised its level. Like you both said, you know, the CHL um, appearances and the World Championship appearances will benefit that that profile. Um, And just to finish on the point about the refereeing, some of the stuff that me and Gareth saw whilst in Slovakia, you're right. You know, these no no country, no tournament is is any better or any worse that much of a difference compared to the UK. So the the things that could change and make it different. But I think the main one is the culture change, a complete, you know, make hockey the more, I'm going to say the same, it's more important than football, it's never going to happen. Because the, the culture of sport in this country is not, will never lean itself away from that. Mm. Um, but if you work and know your place in the stepping stone in terms of pushing to be near enough, them leagues, then that's where you'll get the benefit from, in my opinion. I think it also helps having more players. I mean, I, I said about players going over to like the junior systems over in, in the US and and Canada and things like that. But it also helps to have, uh, I mean, look at like, like the likes of Robert Farmer trying to push himself to show the interest in moving over to Europe and things like that. We're obviously getting more coaches that have coached regularly over in, like regularly in the UK. So the likes of Corey Nielsen, obviously then moving over to DEL. Are they DEL now or still DEL too? Corey um, and Pete Russell DL2. You've got Paul mm. Thompson in the DL. Yeah. So there's two Brit coaches in in the most progressive country in terms of hockey in Europe, yeah. um, and they know a thing or two about hockey. Um, so you're seeing that tight, you know, the British player and coaching now going into them into these countries. So. That that, well, that that kind of promotes it, doesn't it? I mean, do you see exactly, like, yeah. like Robert Farmer going? If he goes over to the DAL or DEL two, then he's kind of also showcasing. If players are then going, actually, you know, you often hear people say about when people don't know about British hockey to go, oh yeah, well it's, it's kind of, you know, it's it's not nearly the standard. And then you look at the likes of Farmer going over to play in those leagues. You know, we get those players to show the exposure to to show 
how much the hockey in the in the UK has improved, just like GB you've done, obviously, in the World Champs, just like the CHL's doing. It's just about getting that exposure with players in different leagues, kind of getting rid of that stigma of, of it's British hockey and, and that's that's all it is. Yeah, um, and I think it kind of falls nice into the next question. And this is from Danny Hudson. Thank you very much. Um, And he asks, um, what could Elite League teams do to get news across to fans? And he follows it with, other than being lucky to catch something on Twitter or a podcast, it's literally hard to follow a team five miles away from you. He says he knows more about Detroit. I'm assuming that's the Detroit Red Wings and not any of the other um, lower league teams than Sheffield. So, you, you mentioned Joe in terms of ending the last question about the stigma and, and promoting the the brand that, of hockey we have. Can the league teams do better? I think On, social media. I just think social media is it's the it's a massive asset. And it is a massive hindrance at times. I mean, the, the problem is, is that social media is relied upon so much for things getting shared. But then you get to the point where you're following that many accounts on social media that things fall through the cracks. Or like now all of a sudden Facebook and Twitter are trying to tailor everything to your interests so they don't start showing you things that they don't think you're interested in when actually they're the post saying such and such is signed for such and such or oh we've just re-signed such and such it, it, I think that's the problem I mean you, as I said to you before we started the recording you think back to the days when Steelers signings were only found like Tuesday to Thursday in the star that, and that was it you had to, you, you went out and you bought the star or you went out and you you looked on the star website and that was how you found out about Steelers signings. And now it's not in one place. It's not like, Oh, I wonder if we're going to have a signing. I'll check the star website or anything like that. It's now you've got to check the star. You've got to check Twitter. You've got to check Facebook. You've got to check the Steelers website. You've got there's just, there's just that many platforms that it it becomes a hindrance as well that you've just got to sift through everything to find. And I'll go even further back in terms of what you used to look for, and I'll look at Gref in that respect, is that years and years ago, you had the hotline, and that was where all your information was, and you had to ring an 090-something number, and that's where all your news was on. Um, so I think in, in, in the, what you were saying in terms of the different platforms, I think with some teams, it's kind of, if you always do what you've done, you'll always get what you've got. And you need to, like you said, in terms of the amount of platforms that there is, you have to have someone within your organisation that is that can have the finger on the pulse and know exactly what the trends are, how to get the news across, and not rely on what worked maybe in the late 90s, early noughties. You have to have someone now. And I think that is where, if we're being very objective in terms of the critique i think some teams do lack um that person to have the full control to say right this is how we're going to do it this is how it's going to work this is where the trends are this is how it's going to be i think there's, there's still the element of well this worked back in the day so let's keep doing it and i think that's where some teams and some teams even the teams are more progressive than others slightly fall back it is a bit of a hindrance so I think, me personally, I think you just have to have someone 
with the, the the control of the platforms and what they release, but someone who knows and, and can learn and be as fresh in terms of the knowledge of, I know what's the latest trend. I know where people are looking. Like you said, you've got the website. I mean, in fairness, you can even ignore the website because it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And you, you've got to be able to know, I mean, somewhere, I must be someone talking about trends. And they're even now moving away from Facebook and it's just Twitter and Instagram, mm. which is the more popular and where, you know, where it's all, whereas two years ago, all Facebook, all Facebook. So it's having that someone within your organization, your company, even if it's a voluntary basis, but knows and kind of the finger on the pulse can change the outlook and how you get your information across and how you get, because social media, like I say, is a great tool, can be the hindrance, but it's only a hindrance if you don't have, if you have someone or you don't have the person that can turn the hindrance to the positive, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's my... Oh, sorry. Um, I think in, in the NHL there's more uh, opportunities to see new stuff happening around the NHL. Obviously, you got the club itself, you got the NHL retweeting, you got places like uh, Complete Hockey News, uh, NHL trade room sites. You got things like that. And uh, in terms of Detroit, I can. Uh, I, I remember seeing that they had they had signed Moritz Cedar. It was a draft pick for Detroit. They're selling on entry entry level contracts, so I, I, I did see that the other day, and that was through uh, CHN and the NHL retweeting. So I think there is more opportunities, more more pages in the North American side that uh, share the news that's going around the league and around the clubs a bit more than there is elite, than there is elite league. Um, obviously, the amount the amount of the teams you follow, especially on Twitter, it, it, it just could get lost. In between everything, including your friends' powers and things like that, um, I think it is, it is just look at the draw, just just trying to cash it at the minute. Um, unless maybe they bring out uh, a few more like pages to do with Elite League, like Elite League News or things like that. I, I just keep retweeting things. Bring uh, back PowerPoint. Yeah. Oh, PowerPoint. Bring back teletext. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But just one thing about so so speaking, what I saw on Sunday in between the, the carnage of, of of the World Cup final was because um, obviously I had the, the, at the same time as Alden and you actually had the ICC which is the the kind of the thief of cricket their Twitter account tweeting Wimbledon their Twitter account say you know how, it's a bit tense over here how's it going with your guys it's just that it's that interaction where you kind of look at it and go a bit stupid but it, it's just that engagement of you know two massive events. In their own right, but having that it, that cross engagement, and it's that type of thing on the pulse, which I think sometimes is lost across some teams. If we, you know, in an honest critique, see, I think maybe go down a little bit, a little bit down like the NHL route. Don't go, don't I'll, I'll build like an app just for the league itself. And obviously you'll receive your notifications straight away like you do with on the NHL app itself. So and like you can set it up for your own team and stuff like yeah, that as well. Set it yeah, set up your own team. So I, obviously I get news from for anything that happens with Buffalo. I'm sure Dave does for Islanders. So you don't get many notifications about making playoffs then? <laughs> no, like, that's been like, I don't even think the app's been that out that long. So, you know. <laughs> At least he's honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you can even have like videos or like 
replays as such. I mean, not having like the webcasts on there, but just the replays and then any news on there. So then that way, it could help people that obviously they don't set the alarm for six o'clock in the morning. So they don't have to scroll through Twitter when they wake up at like eight o'clock. Setting the alarm for six o'clock in the morning really baffles me that people actually set their alarm for six o'clock in the morning. I, I, completely unrelated to an extent, but it just baffles me. The the signing is going to be the same at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, whenever you, whenever you wake up, preferably as late on in the day as possible. You <laughs> see, maximize sleep to get to be able to get to work on time is my theory. I don't understand people that are going, oh well, I could get up at eight o'clock to go to work, but actually. There's a Steelers signing at six, so set me alarm for ten two, just so I'm up for that. Why sleep? Just I, 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 there's nothing else I could say on it. Literally, I just don't understand it. I mean, we're saying it, this. At, it's not going to change. We're saying this at like what quarter to two? Well, yeah, well, yeah, this is true. I'll give you that, but that's not the argument we're having. So, but any more, any more points on that? No, I, th- I think I think uh, I think we're good on that. As far as I as far as I can say, I don't know what you guys think. No, so thank you very much uh, to Matt and Danny for your questions. As ever, you know, send them in, and we will um, give them the time on the podcast. Um, we have many methods of getting in touch with us, don't we, Joe? We do, yeah. I like the way you segued that into me. Uh, we're at MFZ Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we are My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. So feel free to comment on any of the posts. Drop us a personal, uh, drop us a PM on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter. Obviously, don't try and tweet us on Facebook because that could go where uh, slightly wrong. <laughs> I just felt that I just said tweet us on Twitter and then thought, well, they're not going to tweet us on Instagram, are they? So you know, too many tweets. Too many tweets. I'm going to shut up now, but they're the social media feeds. <laughs> so I, I think the last thing that I've got on the agenda, gents, unless anybody's got anything else to add, the last thing that I have is in relation to All-Stars. Um, the four of us are all playing in the UK charity All-Stars um, next weekend. So not the weekend coming up or should I say the weekend tomorrow now because it's uh, currently Friday as you say quarter to two but the weekend after after this uh, we'll be heading down to Cardiff to play in All Stars uh, all four of us are raising for British Heart Foundation but um, yeah I'll throw it over to Dave because Dave's better at talking about All Stars than I am being I one of the uh, the main men I'm going to say I don't know why I'd be that person but uh, yeah um, so we're all holding down Um Eight teams taking part, eight uh, teams of hockey players raising money. Uh, the last check, we are, um, and this is a live total, um, we are around um, the £94,000 mark of funds raised on online just giving donations um, between all eight teams. Um, I, sorry, I've been doing this since it's uh, starting tw- 2008. And e- even now... Which is this potential will be the net, I think the fourth or fifth year on the trot that we've hit the 100k mark. And just to say you're involved in something that raises 100k still blows my mind. And I, you know, Ian, that's, and I'm the one who sees some of the, a lot of the figures. Um, and it's just incredible, uh, the hard work that a lot of people do. Um, and we'll be doing, 
you know, like some people wearing wonderful baseball caps next we weekend. We don't know. Well, yeah, we have to, you know, all's fair in in, in charity hockey. Um, oh, no, I'll stand by my word. Don't worry. I, uh, it's getting for those, warm. For those up where um, Joe said that if he hit the the, the 1,000 mark in his individual fundraising, he'd wear a um, a personalised Boston Bruins cap that was bought to him as a secret Satan present. Now, congratulations, Joe. The main bit, he's hit that 1,000 pound mark. And if you, you hit the 1K club, it's that is there's it, it a bit of a buzz you get from, from doing that. I believe that's your first one in four it is, yeah. It's, it's my four full stars. I've knocked on the door a few times. I've hit around eight nine hundred, but I've not hit the uh, the thousand mark. So it's, it's no, a good well, feeling. No, it is congratulations, and, and I mean Thank that you. sincerely because you know I've I've been looking through it a few times, and it is just it just gives you that kick. It's like you've done something special there. And anybody who raises money, anybody who puts effort into raising money, does something special. But there's that nice buzz um, to hit that uh, one thousand pound mark. So if you're around Cardiff um, next week. Uh, the 26th to 28th of July. Head down. Come along. You'll see. If you're not head down. It's a good weekend. Yeah, yeah. It could be, <laughs> you'll see. You'll see some great hockey players. We do have a few. In fact, we have one player who actually is in the the banners at the Viola Arena, who's playing for Breast Cancer Care. He's um, not Greth. No, no, no. That's not country to come and believe. <laughs> um, we have some good recreational players, uh, and then you have us. Uh, I like the fact your problem with that statement was not breast cancer, BHF. Not, my name's not in the banners at the Viola Arena. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, you, you have a mixture of hockey players and everyone's equal. Everyone gets the same time. So the charities that are being fundraised for, which is the important thing, um, is Blue Cross, is an animal charity, Breast Cancer Care, the British Heart Foundation, which we've said a few times on here, all four of us are fundraising for, uh, Dreams Come True, uh, Help for Heroes, uh, Mind Health Charity, Prostate Cancer UK, and the local charity is a wonderful hospice, uh, Tihaven. Um, all eight worthy causes, and with people and players who are have worked tirelessly since the teams were announced in November last year uh, to, to, to raise uh, much-needed funds that will make a huge difference to all eight charities. Um, Say, so I've, I've, this is my 12th. Gref, this is your third... Fourth no, playing. I was going to say, yeah. Fourth playing. Fifth overall. First you, year I didn't play. Watched. Stafford, is this your fifth or sixth? Fifth, yeah. Fifth. Your fifth. I mean, four and five, I'm just thinking amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, the one thing I'll say, and I'll, before I pass it on and let others uh, give some words, is it doesn't matter if it's your first weekend or your twelfth. Everyone is an equal. Everyone's an all-star. Because everyone's been fundraising. Cliche. <laughs> oh, massively, but it's true. But, you know, it is cliche, but it's true. Yeah, no, no, spot on. Um, we will. I mean, we don't do a lot of self promotion on the, on the the podcast. We don't. We've not talked about it regularly. I know we've mentioned it a few times about All Stars, but um, we wanted to keep this primarily. Obviously, the the point of we we know that everybody listens in relation to the Elite League, but. We will be sharing the, uh, the uh, just giving page. I'll be sharing them over the next week, as we say. We uh, we start to head down to Cardiff on Thursday, um, and you know we'll be there over the weekend. So we're getting very very close now. It's the moment that everybody waits for every year. So it's finally upon us. But if anybody, yeah, maybe not Dave doing a bit more <laughs> on the organisation side, but us the, us us mere players uh, wait for it all year. So. If, I mean, if we'll you get... can give anything, if you enjoy listening to the podcast and you want to chuck 
a tenner or fiver, whatever you can on any of our Just Giving pages. It will be very, very um, gratefully received, both by us and by BHF as well. Obviously, it's you know, a great charity that do amazing work. So we'll post those out. I've said it a couple of times that we were going to do, but I don't think we've actually got around to posting them yet. So I'll get those posted over the next couple of days. And we'll also try and get some content from people that's involved in the weekend for the next episode, because next week, obviously, we're traveling down on Thursday. So actual, I don't think we're going to get the chance to do uh, the podcast next week. Um, so we'll, we'll try and get some content. We'll, we'll get a few people who are also uh, organizers and a few people who we know are there who are fans of the podcast. We'll try and get them just a few words and we'll, we'll, we'll have a bit of an all-star bump prediction next time we're back. Yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, but for the time being, unless anybody's got anything else to add, uh, I believe that brings us to the end of another episode. So, Dave, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks, Gref and Andy. Um, and thanks to everybody who listens. Um, I, we hope you enjoy it and we hope you've laughed at us tonight because we've certainly laughed at each other. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. Um, Andy, thank you very much. A few breaks in the internet, but we're we're getting there. We're, we're not having the the tech issues of the internet not working at all now, so we're, we're moving in the right direction. So thank you very much, sir. Uh, thank you, Joe. Yeah, there's a reason for that. I'm about to uh, switch to my mobile hotspot data, so I'm going to expect a massive bill coming at the end of this month, but that had to be done. But yeah, thank you, Joe. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Graf. Thanks for everyone tuning in. Andy Stafford, give in to the viewers. So everybody yeah. gets sharing That's just for Andy's right internet there, bill. <laughs> yeah. We're going to set up a GoFundMe page for Andy's internet bill. Um, <laughs> and Greth, thank you very much, sir. Good luck in finding your front teeth. It's fine. It's the side that I need to find. Fair play. Well, good luck finding the side teeth then. Same <laughs> comment. It's all right. We should set up a GoFundMe as well for... No, we're not. We're not getting you no, with no, these. No, no, there's, 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 there's no miracles that can be performed on that one. <laughs> yeah, they're still on AOL. <laughs> Brilliant. But no, thank you to everybody for listening um, to another episode of My Fantasy Zamboni. Thank you.